Well, real life, good morning. Well, that's enthusiastic. Good. Wonderful study by Batterson on a fellow by the name of Benaiah. I, I, I want to walk you through some of it. it but let's, let's begin with an obscure passage of Scripture. If you've read it, you didn't care. One of the, you know, there, are, there are scriptures that you read and go, okay, you know. Uh, I, no, no study school teacher ever asked you to memorize this verse. There's no, there's no theology based on this verse. It has no bearing on any doctrine. If you do the Bible once a year, you read, you read this verse once a year and shot right through. It, it's kind of buried in 2 Samuel, but I want you to see it. 2 Samuel 23.20. Benaiah, son of Joida, was a brave fighter from Kebzeel, who did mighty things. He went down into a pit and killed a lion on a snowy day. Okay. I, I know. I, I, easy to read, but you, you kind of miss the courage here and the comfort of a church. He chased a lion and went in the pit and killed it. He, he didn't have a shotgun. Scripture doesn't tell us what Benaiah had on his mind to do that day. But I bet it wasn't chase a lion. What do you do when all of a sudden you're walking in, you know, out, out, out in the wilderness and a lion pops out? He's been stalking you. What do you do? I, I was thinking about that. Well, do, do you run? Good luck with that. Do you just freeze? Or do you just begin to pray? You say, Lord, I'll be finishing this one face to face. Our Father, you know. Just, and Lord... If you could, could you work a miracle and make that lion walk away? He thinks I'm a man witch, a gene witch. Could, could, could you make the lion just, well, I want to go home to my family. I want to see my kids. I want to see my wife. If, could you just work a miracle? And, and, and I, think, I think I'm normal or, or close. What do you do? If, if a lion, I mean a lion is right there. Do you run? Do you pray? Do you freeze? I think lion chasers are different. They're wired differently. A lot of us have seen lions in, in a zoo, in a, in a cage. Uh, that doesn't count. I, I've, had, I've had an incredible privilege. Uh, our, our largest church in South Africa, Nazarene Church, is in Rustenburg, about two hours north of Johannesburg in South Africa. And I was invited to go speak at a conference they had. And after that, the PALCON, Pastors and Leaders, Leaders Conference for the Continent of Africa, met in Transburg, and I was invited to go back and speak again and teach in Africa. So I've been there a couple of times. And each time, they've arranged for us to go on safaris. I think I've been on four or five safaris. Yes, it's cool. And, and we go to the, the Plattsburgh Reserve. And it's not like the animals are all close together. You, you, may spend, you may spend hours and not see an animal. Plattsburgh Reserve is huge. I asked our driver, I said, how big is Plattsburgh? He said, it's about half the size of your state of New Jersey. So it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. And, and you go out in these Jeeps, and, and maybe four or five Jeeps, and they'll go in different directions, and they have radios. If there's something they want the guests to see, we'll, we'll all go, we, we, if one guy sees it, we all, go, we all go there and see it. In the back, they have this gigantic rifle. And, I, and there's a driver and a guide, and I said, what's the rifle for? He said, should, sh sh your safety's paramount. Should, should something get out of control, we will shoot an animal. And I'm thinking, ooh. Over the four or five uh, safaris, I, I, I've seen elephants. There was, there was this tree, 
And rather than go around it, this elephant just put his head down and the tree went down. It's, it's unbelievable. I saw a rhinoceros come, coming out of a mud pit. You go very early or very late. They sleep all day. Feeding time is, is, is dawn or supper time or, or, or dusk. So you go in the evening hours. Well, one time Tammy was with me and we saw a lion, but it was a lousy sea. He, he, he was in the tree and we saw his paw dangling down. We didn't get a really good look at the lion. I was, the second time I was back, I was a group of pastors that were speaking at Palcon, and the radio came in, Pride of Lions. We went, very cool, very cool. So our Jeep races over where the one Jeep saw him, and there they are. And we're inching closer and closer and closer to these lions. This is different than the zoo. I'm going, do you want that gun? And the lions didn't care. They were, they were just kind of, kind of laying out and getting ready for, for dinner or whatever. And one of the lions began to notice us and didn't run, but just was kind of curious of who we, how we were. And I keep thinking, the gun's right here. And he slowly begins to, to back the Jeep up, and all the Jeeps are pulling back a little bit, keeping a safe distance from the lion, that one lion that's curious about who we are. And finally he said, we got to go. And I'm thinking, well, yeah. So we, we took off. I mean, I, I've got to tell you, I've had that one in a million chance of being in the wild, not in a zoo, and seeing a lion approach, they're beautiful. I mean, they're graceful. And they're scary as all get out. I mean, they're huge. So I, I don't know that I identify, but be Benaiah. He's out walking, you know. He's having a good day. In the corner of his eyes, he's rustling. And bang, a lion's right in front of him. Now, we know, the, we know how it ends. Benaiah kills it. But pretend you don't. Appreciate the shock. All of a sudden, here's the lion. We think the outcome is inevitable because we know the outcome. Psychologists call it hindsight bias. We know the end is not a big deal. Beniah wins. But appreciate the faith of Beniah. Anxiety. Here's a lion face to face. Does he pray the lion walks away? Does he say, God, work a miracle. Make this lion. I want to walk away. I want to go back to my family. And miracle of miracles? The lion, after stalking Benaiah, walks away. I would praise God. I would say, Lord, you are so good to me. You are so good to me. I'm going home. I can't wait to tell Tammy what just happened. I would praise him like crazy. But Benaiah begins to chase the lion. Isn't there part of you that goes, stop, think. I am just not right. Now, they say a lion can, can sprint up to 20, 25 miles an hour. Benaiah keeps up. And the lion somehow, it's a snowy day, the word says, so maybe there's ice. He slips and falls into a pit. He lands on his feet. It's a cat. So here's Benaiah. He approaches the pit. He's walking on thin ice. He looks down, and, and, and there's the lion. Those, those menacing yellow eyes, and, and he's showing his teeth, and the lion's going, don't even think about it. You know, don't you think Benaiah would go, oh, God in heaven, thank you for this pit. What was I doing? Oh, God in heaven, you've given me the opportunity to come to my senses. You've given me the opportunity to collect my thoughts. What was, I was chasing this lion. Oh, God, you've put this pit here just to protect me so I wouldn't do anything stupid. I would stop doing something stupid. I'm going home. I finally got smart. I wised up. I, I want safety. Normal people don't chase lions. He wises up. He walks away. No. He jumps in the pit. I'm sure there's a deafening roar that goes on. Struggling must have been fierce. And then silence. 
and Benaiah crawls out of the pit. I'm sure he's, a, I'm sure he's bloodied. And we have one of the most improbable victories of all Scripture. Understand this. God is really good at strategically putting us at the right place at the right time. Here's the catch. Sometimes it feels like the wrong place at the wrong time. If we're following Christ, there is a sense of purpose. There is a sense of destiny. We live in the long-term life, long-term purpose. We live in discipleship, which is long-term obedience. But coming face-to-face with a lion, that's typically bad. Fighting yourself in a pit with a lion, that's really bad. Could this guy be a, a, a man of destiny? Could God have possibly put him in that position? And it wasn't Benaiah being crazy. It was God telling him, chase the lion. You go. And when he got to the edge of the pit, I'm sure his heart was beating like crazy. Could God have been the one that said, get in there. Kill the lion. Now, now the issue becomes, can I be trusted? Am I fearless or am I a coward? That becomes the singular issue now for Benaiah. As he's looking at this lion, and that lion is furious looking up at him. Am I fearless because God's telling me to go? Or am I a coward? God will always use your past experiences to prepare you for the future. And sometimes those past experiences kind of look like roaring lions. How we react may change the rest of our life. And this seems like a a meaningless single event. A guy chased a lion and he killed it. But look what happens next. The king, which happens to be King David, is looking for a bodyguard. This is a a resume enhancer. I I chased a lion in a pit and killed it. That, That helps your resume a little bit. Being with a lion isn't, isn't, isn't a, a, a wish, it's a death wish. But it sure looks good on a resume if you're trying to be a bodyguard. I, imagine King David's got all these resumes, you know. Majored in security at Jerusalem. Nah. I was an intern guard at the palace prison. Nah. Studied music in Juilliard. No. I followed a lion into a pit, jumped in and killed it. Hire this guy. I bet David didn't even check references. Hire this guy. I'm sure being a bodyguard for King David wasn't on Benaiah's mind as he jumps in. But that's what happens. He's a man of destiny. Did God guide him on that fateful day? Because of that single act, now Benaiah, a stranger, a nobody, a, a guy, is now in the court of King David. Did God put him in that position to be in the court of King David? Did he put him in that position, I will be a coward or I will be fearless under the call of God? Could God make that happen through me? How fearless am I under the call of God? God seems to be in the resume business. He might put us in a difficult position just to find out who we are. Talk is cheap. He may put us in a difficult position because he's going to use this for something tomorrow to build on. He builds our resume. He gives us past opportunities for future opportunities. And sometimes those are disguised as man-eating lions. How we react will change our destiny. Now, in the life of Benaiah, he's a bodyguard. King David has so many bodyguards, he realizes, you know, I I want to form an elite group. Uh, The Navy SEALs. The the army rangers, I'm choosing 30 of my very best guys to form this elite inner circle. Benaiah is chosen as a 30. Eventually, he is so good that he is chosen 
to be more than the 30, but the chief of all the bodyguards. 2 Samuel 23, 23. Put it on the screen. He received more honor than the 30. That's those Navy SEALs. David made him leader of the bodyguards. His resume grows. He's now the guy. He's the main guy. He's the head of the bodyguards because he was the leader of the 30. He was, because he was chosen to be part of the 30. Because he was a bodyguard. Because he chased a lion and into a pit. All the dominoes kind of began there. The resume grows. We can run away from the challenges of God or accept them. But I've discovered this. Whenever we, escape, whenever we accept the challenge of God, our resume, ten, our, our trajectory of our life tends to go up. When we reject the challenge of God, the trajectory of our life tends to go down. Benaiah has a, a sense of destiny. He didn't know if he'd win or lose. All he knew was God was telling him, jump in the pit. He's not crazy. He's unbelievably obedient. He embraces uncertainty. You're saying, you know, that, that God doesn't really do that much. That, this is a bizarre episode. I don't know what Bible you're reading. God always tells us to embrace uncertainty. We're always tested. I mean, Noah embraced uncertainty. He builds an ark in the middle of a desert. Gideon embraces uncertainty and keeps reducing his army before he goes to war. David embraces uncertainty. He grabs a slingshot and says, Goliath, come on, you want a piece of this? Daniel embraces uncertainty, jumps in the lion's den. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego embrace uncertainty. They're in the fire. Abraham embraces uncertainty. He takes his son Isaac up to Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. It's amazing how often God comes to us and says, do you have the guts? Can you really follow me? Are you ready for the adventure? Here's what's tough for us. We sometimes think that when Christ comes in our life, he's there to simplify our lives. That's the worst myth the church, that the church has bought into. Can I just blow your mind? He's not going to simplify your life. In fact, Christ is going to complicate your life. People feel like, Jesus, come into my life, and I'll just tiptoe through the tulips from here on in with you. Once I'm a Christian, you, you just kind of absolve all the problems. And then I'll praise you. He complicates our life. Get that first. He will complicate your life in a way your life should be complicated. Complicating our lives isn't unique. When I got married, it complicated my life in a good way. And then we had kids. It complicated my life in a good way. Then we had grandkids. It complicated my life in a good way. And now I'm broke. I had the privilege to pastor a great church. It complicated my life in a good way. This relationship with Christ is going to complicate your life in a good way, in the way your life should be complicated. It's going to change your home. It's going to change your future. It's going to change your kids. It's going to change your marriage. It is going to begin to live a spiritual adventure in a long-term purpose. And he may call on you for something that may not make sense. If you're looking for him to make sense all the time, you don't understand the bigger picture. Maybe he's building a resume right now for you. And don't, don't forget, to be fair, other side of the coin, sin complicates your life in the way it damages your life. Sin always hurts us. No exceptions. Sin always hurts us. Sin always does damage in the long term. Always. 
In the, letter, in the book Letters to Malcolm, C.S. Lewis wrote, If God had granted all the silly prayers I prayed in my life, what a mess my life would be now. In hindsight, he's grateful for the prayers that God did not grant. Many of our prayers tend to be a little bit misguided. I'm not yelling at you, me too. I love praying for safety. I, I love praying for smooth sailing for the rest of my life. I think we tend to want comfort rather than character. We tend to, we tend to, we, we, we really prefer the easy way out rather than strength of the experience. Oh God, keep me from a lion's pit. Keep me safe. But does that rob us of maybe he's building something for tomorrow? God, are you building a resume for tomorrow for what you're leading me through today? Many of our, many of our prayers are about, about problem reduction. In this book, Dr. Neil Reese writes about actions and reactions. The reactions of action, the regrets of action and, and the regret of inaction. Now, we call this the theology uh, sin of commission, sin of omission. Sin of commission, stuff you did you shouldn't have done. Sin of commission. Sin of omission, stuff you should have done that God was calling you to, but you refused. And, and the church has fixated on the sin of commission. We love the don'ts. We don't dance, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. We, we love the don'ts. But could, could God be just as concerned over the sin of omission? We didn't chase the lion. We didn't go where he called us to go. We're running away from his call because it's a little frightening. And we thought it, we thought it was going to be about safety. We're running from his call because, frankly, it's intimidating. We cannot brace uncertainty. We couldn't chase that lion that he put in our path purposely. Goodness is not the absence of badness. It's possible to live your whole life and do nothing wrong, but never do anything right. And aren't you, frankly, tired of reaction Christianity? So known for what we're against. I would rather people understand the excitement of what we're for. How committed are you to Christ? Even on uncertainty... Here's the hurtful sentence. God will never do anything significant with you if you live in self-security. God will never do anything significant for you and with you if you live in self-security, if you play it safe your whole life. Living our whole life with no faith risk. We're called to a higher calling than don't do anything wrong. Are we fearless or are we cowards? Lion chasers, never passive but chasing the lion. Here's the kicker. Newsflash, serving Jesus is not supposed to be civilized. Satan has won a, a kind of a subtle war with the church. We forgot who we are. We're the church. Gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We chase lions. God raised up a church of lion chasers. Too many applaud lion chasers from the, from the, from the sidelines. Not us. Build my life, build my resume, because I will chase a lion. Benaiah's story actually continues as you track it. He's one of these guys that show up in one verse here, one verse there, one verse there. You've got to kind of track his whole life. David has died. Now his son, Solomon, is king. And Solomon's army, yikes, Solomon's army changed the entire world. And guess who the commander of that entire army is? You got it. First Kings 4.4. Take a look. 
Benaiah, son of Joida, was commander of the king's army. That king's army would be Solomon's army. And now Benaiah is the commander. Benaiah was in a position to change the world. Benaiah changed the world. Benaiah changed the entire world because he's the commander of the entire army that, ch- that changed the world. The only reason he changed the entire world is because he's the commander of the army. The only reason he got to be commander of the army was because he was the leader of the 30. The only reason he was the leader of the 30 was he was part of the 30. The only reason he was part of the 30 was he was a bodyguard. The only reason he was a bodyguard was he chased a lion a long time ago into a pit. That single event, the dominoes begin to fall. That single obedience event changed the entire world. The dominoes fell. He had no idea he's going to change the world. When you obey, really obey and chase the lion, it may not change the world, but change your world. It'll change your world. I'm not talking about let's all be reckless. Let's be obedient. You can never guess where God will take you tomorrow if you have the courage to follow his will today. You can never guess where God will take you tomorrow if you have the courage to follow his will today. You ever notice these individual verses that we read through so quickly? 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Some translations, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of timidity. Well, why did he not give us the spirit of timidity? Why, why did he not give us the spirit of fear? Because we're supposed to chase a lion. Because he might call us to something uncertain. This, this spirit of fear is of, of Satan. He wants to keep the church afraid of what God might do if we let him. He wants to keep us with a spirit of fear. And that's why 2 Timothy 1.7 says, says, God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity. We're not special. is not special. It's ordinary people transformed by Christ. Let me give you the definition of cowardice. My definition of cowardice, thinking about being courageous. Definition of cowardice. Is thinking about being courageous. Anybody can do that. You risk nothing. There's never a victory outside of a fight. And so I think we have to begin to ask ourselves, is real life obedient or somewhat passive? Am I? Am I a lion chaser? Or... Am I somewhat passive? What has God been speaking to me about that I have been somewhat pushed away because it just doesn't make sense? I'm not asking you to be reckless. There's no wisdom in reckless. But God is not a God of confusion. If he's speaking to me, have I pushed him away? And who knows what this will create tomorrow? Am I a lion chaser? Let's stand together this morning. Father, as we've so often said, uh, we don't need a pep rally, but your word challenges us. And I, this fellow, Benaiah, is just a, a casual mention in a lot of different verses throughout Scripture, but we track his career. He's a lesson. What he did on that one day appears to be so crazy, but you were behind it all. Because you knew the big picture of where he was going to end up. 
Sometimes, are you leading me? Have there been times that there was a lion for me to chase, there was a challenge for me to take on because of you in my life, and I have not done it? Forgive me. Forgive me. Where would I have been had I chased that lion 10 years ago? Where would I have been had I been obedient five years ago? How would my life might have changed to where I am right now? Father, for where we have failed to obey because we really chose safety. Forgive us. And Father, give us that sense that we can crash through the line marked impossible. Give us that sense that you are leading and you are seeing us through. If this is a war with the enemy, I want to go to war. I don't want to get shot in the back. I always want to go forward with you in this whole arena of discipleship and passion and power. And here we are in a church between pastors. You have not told us, therefore, set, set down the armor and wait. And when the new pastor comes, we'll pick up the armor again. That's the enemy. We always go forward. We are disciples. We are followers of Christ. Complicate my life the way you want to complicate it. Because we can do all things through your power. In the holy name of Jesus. And as we've been doing, we, we kind of finish up by quoting scripture together. We're going to put on the screen the, 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 what we've been kind of talking about last week and this week. Philippians 4.13. Come on, say it with me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Okay, one more time. Come on, let's I can do all things through Christ with strength of me. Bind that in our heart. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today.